the podcast where music meets sports. I'm Gannon Hannibal, and you're listening to What's the Score? What's the Score? Welcome to the first episode of What's the Score, the podcast where we combine two of the most unifying things in the world. That's music and sports. We've got a great guest on today. This is RJ Hubert, a defensive back from the University of Utah, and he actually went to my alma mater, Moapa Valley High School, so this is special for me to have him on as my first guest on the show. RJ, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's good to be here. It's good to see a familiar face and to talk about not only two of the most unifying things in the world, but uh, two of my favorite things in the world. So I'm going to, I know I'm going to enjoy it. and I know you're going to kill it. Hey, well, you got me there, man. Music and sports is what I was raised on. And uh, I mean, for, like I said, this is cool for me too, because this is, I'm able to have someone that I watched play high school football. Um, when I was, uh, I was a freshman in high school when you were a senior and you guys had that state championship run at Moab Valley high school. It came just short, but it was, it was a good year. And uh then I got to see you play a little bit at, at Utah last year. Well, how was that experience? Because you got got on the field a little bit last season. Yeah, it was awesome. So, so the two, so I was like kind of, I got playing time when we needed more defensive backs, depending on the scheme of the team we were playing. So, like Washington State, Washington. There are some teams where uh, we needed three defensive or three safeties, I should say, five defensive backs, or maybe six, depending on the scheme. And um, so I got to kind of be an alternate. So the two safeties that were in front of me both got drafted, um, I think, both in the third round, one to the Colts and one to the Rams. So I learned a lot from them, and uh, now's my time to shine. I'm going to get uh, some more playing time, hopefully. So it's good. Yeah, I mean, it's a prestigious program to be a part of. You guys made a Pac-12 championship appearance last year. Um, as you said, I mean, the defensive backfield alone is – is got a lot of talent. Three guys are in the going to be in the NFL next year. I know. I think it was Javelin Gidry and Jalen Johnson, and then uh, Julian Blackman as well. All are on NFL rosters right now, which is wild. Is that a lot of expectations to live up to for you? Um, yeah, and I think it's kind of like been building up since I showed up on campus. Like, there's always been a a big expectation, but it's nothing that we're not capable of fulfilling. And and that's what I appreciate is that they see a lot of potential in me. And that's why they brought me to the program is because they saw that potential and they knew that I could possibly become a, a draft pick when, when my time comes. So it's nothing, it's not news. It's not all of a sudden like, I'm like, wow, I got to live up to this. It's I've been uh, trained for this thus far. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what it's all about, right? That's what you play for at the college football level, especially the big thing is you want to go out and win. And you guys did a lot of winning last year. Um, I'm an Arizona State student. You guys handed it to us uh, up there in Utah last year. I think you're making the trip down to Tempe next year, assuming things are able to work out with, you know, the, the outbreak and everything. Uh, what's the expectations looking like? This is one of the most weird off seasons ever. Um, it's hard to say uh, because a lot of stuff is up in the air. You know, we're taking care of our business up here at Utah so um, I don't know how many people have tested positive. I know everybody's tested for it, and I haven't heard of anybody that's tested positive on our team or on our staff. So, um, so I mean, we're taking care of our business up here, but as for the rest of the nation, I mean, there's some schools that don't, um, that aren't in a great position as we are, uh, where they had dozens of, of athletes test positive for COVID. So it's really up in the air, up in limbo about what's going to, 
what's going to happen. So I just, I hope there's a season. I hope we get to play a game. I mean, that's what we worked for all year. So it'd be a, a real bummer if we didn't. Definitely, man. Uh, it's good to hear that you guys are staying healthy up there. But as you said, there are some teams around the country that are having positive tests or having their, their school go fully online. And it's kind of throwing a wrench in things, but I know if there is a season, you guys will be back making some noise again, as you'd have the last few years. And, if you make it down to Tempe, I'll be I'll be rooting for the Sun Devils, but I'll be rooting for you there when you're out on the field as well. Uh, as we promised, though, this is music and sports. We're going to get into it both today. And the the main topic, I, I wanted to talk to you about your three, two or three favorite albums of all time. I know you've told me kind of what they are, but I'll let you introduce. Is, does one of those three that you told me jump out as your number one? Uh, it's hard because I feel like they're all kind of the same genre, but at the yeah. same time, they're each their own like unique entity. So I think what has resounded with me the most is probably Views from the Six by Drake. I, uh, so when that album came out in April, that was my senior year of high school. And um, before I left on my mission in July, I probably listened to that album 200 something times. Like it was, <laughs> the, it was what I listened to in the car when I was going to school. It's what I listened to during school. Like when I wasn't doing anything, uh, when I was weightlifting, just whenever I could listen to it, I did. And so I've got almost every lyric from that album memorized, like like the back of my hand. So I love that album. Um, just some of the more upbeat ones, but also the more low-key R&B ones. Um, I just love it all and how it all comes together. Absolutely, man. I mean, I think the thing that stands out for me in that album is it's a time capsule. You listen to it and it's like it takes you back to when you first heard it. And and it's funny that you mentioned it. It did come out. It was your senior year because it was my freshman year of high school. And I remember Hotline Bling was all the craze uh, on the radio. But like you said, that it's far, it's far more than just those radio hits. It's a long album and there's a lot of those R&B songs. Do any of those stand out to you as like your, your favorite tracks from the album? Uh, so my first two... Uh, that I love, I have to say, You With Me or Feel No Way. Those are, and they're back to back. So like when I first listened to the album, I'm like, wow, he's spitting straight bangers on this. Like, <laughs> going to be nothing but fire. Like, and honestly, to go back and listen to that 200 some odd times, like obviously it was. So, um, I mean, I can remember, like you said, it's like a time capsule. I can remember certain instances where like, where I heard that song or like it's raining outside and it's like the perfect vibe for that song. Um, to just define what those songs mean to me. So it was really cool. Um, so those are probably my top two favorites are You With Me and Feel No Ways. Hey, those are good choices. I know for me, the ones that, uh, that stand out, I like Redemption a lot. I feel like, I, I don't know, I, I like his flow on that song. It's just kind of kind of addictive. Um, and then Child's Play was always the one that I loved in high school. Uh, that's kind of the one that is a time capsule song for me. Um, when I talk about, like, I have a playlist on my Spotify that I, I just called it my life story. And you know how you, when you hear a song, it like takes you back to a moment in time. I, I tried to put those in order. And I, and that, that spring of 2016, it's got Child's Play and Hotline Bling on it just because those were in rotation. Child's Play for me and Hotline Bling for pretty much everyone. Um, and One Dance as well is another song that definitely takes you back to that era. But like you said, there's a, there's a lot of slower songs on that album that are really good too. Um, Drake's kind of a kind of a polarizing guy. You look on so, social media, some people love him, some people hate him. Um, obviously it sounds like Views is your favorite album of his. Do you have another album of his that jumps off as you, as one that you remember really significantly? Um, I guess I, my two others that it's actually really, really difficult because I think of Take Care 
as like one of the first ones that like I was like wow like, I really like Drake like mm-hmm. it's like this is my my artist you know and um so that and I was probably only in like seventh grade or something like that so I don't know what I was doing listening to all those but um so that one was kind of like what initiated it all and then uh if you're reading this it's too late and more life are probably my two other like top albums that I'd say it's hard to narrow it down because I love them so much but if I was to narrow it down, those are my top three from him. What what I like about Drake is he's been so consistent throughout his career. It seems like every time he releases an album, there's always a crowd of people who are like, this is an amazing album. And then there's a crowd of people who are like, oh, Drake, I'm getting tired of it. They don't like, you know, the, the blend of pop and hip hop. But I think he's done a good job of really bringing rap to the front of the radio. I think he's a he plays a big role in that. I know for me growing up, it was like I heard forever for the first time in like 2009 when that came out and I was just like, wow, this, this is a jam. And I was like 10 years old. I mean, that's, I, I was young and I think that's what's so captivating is he's able to get people at, at a lot of different age groups. Um, but views definitely, I, I think is might be his most iconic album. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. At least, I mean, that was, if you think about like the course of his career, that's like right in the middle. And it's like, I don't want to say that's where he peaked, but like, it's a peak for me. You know, a lot of people have different uh, preferences, like whether it is take care and they like the little, the older ones or whether it's uh, the new one that he just dropped, you know, it's, there's so much. And I agree with you when you said that he's been so consistent throughout time in creating like songs that are hits. Um, But he also has those ones in there that like, if you're not a big Drake fan, you're probably going to miss out on them like redemption and songs like that um so i mean he's been he's been consistent but i feel like he's also like had his own evolution of how he creates songs and i i just just love it yeah absolutely man i I have probably a pretty unpopular opinion about music fans and that's i love scorpion I, i like that album a lot that's another album that's like like a time capsule for me. It takes me back to that summer that it came out and there was the Pusha T beef going on and it was like Drake was on every main headline and he had like just hit after hit after hit that year. But like you said, songs like Redemption on Views, it, it reminds me of like Sandra's Rose or Emotionless on Scorpion where it's just those songs a lot of people miss out on. Did you like the Scorpion album? Oh yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I mean, <laughs> there have only been few that I'm like, eh, like, like um was it, is it dark lane's demo tape yeah that just came out um i haven't gotten into that one as much but maybe i just need to listen to it more but so there have been some where i'm like uh like i, I gotta like let it grow on me but as for like the rest of his albums i've pretty much been a big fan for the most part yeah i i think a lot of people are because he's able to hit so many different audiences um, another guy that's able to do that, that I know made your top three list, uh, Frank Ocean. Um, the, the debate is always, do you like channel orange more or do you like blonde more? And for me, it's always been a coin flip. Um, do, w- what's your verdict on that? Definitely blonde. I, yeah, I love blonde. That's a good album. I mean, w- I like it kind of creates the same vibe as what I explained to you when I am like, like when it's raining and, or like, I have this, uh, I have this album or this playlist that I created on Apple playlist. Um, 
or Apple Music, and it's called Evening Vibes, and it's a lot of Frank Ocean. It's the type of stuff where it's like, okay, like I'm winding down for the day, and it's starting to get dark, and the sun's setting, and like there's a lot of Frank Ocean on that, just because he creates that vibe where it's like it's relaxing, but it, at the same time he's also talking about really relevant stuff in his in his raps or so yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think like Drake, uh, Frank Ocean is a guy where he'll put out a really long album, and there'll be you know, there'll be songs on there that people don't know if they don't see them on the radio. Like like on Blonde, you've got Ivy, which of course, you know, a lot of people know that song, but there's a couple more hidden tracks. What do you, what do you think is the most underrated um, song on that on that album? The most underrated. Let me look at it real fast. <laughs> I know it's hard because there's a lot of songs on there. I, I had to I had to pull it up a few days ago and just listen to it again because I think there's there's something like 18 20 ish songs on there yeah so my uh two of my favorites are uh godspeed okay uh i like self-control and white ferrari those are all great choices i was gonna say self-control as my favorite that song's been on my on my rotation these last few weeks a lot that's for sure um and then like you said he's good at painting like uh, you know, like relevant stories. Um, like Nike's is a song on there that, I mean, it talks about some really dark stuff, but yet he's able to, you know, capture you with that like catchy hook. And, and like I said, like you said, I mean, uh, he captures that evening vibes. I, li- I like the way you described that when the sun's setting, that's exactly what I think Frank Ocean is, is made for. Yeah, it's, it's some good stuff. I mean, he's, and it really grew on me because I had listened to Channel Orange a little bit um in high school and i listened to like songs like novocaine and i'm like wow like frank ocean's a good artist and there's a lo- always a lot of hype about when's frank ocean gonna drop another album like <laughs> he's been like mia for quite a while um so after high school um it was yeah in 2018 my sister recommended some songs that i should listen to after i got home from my mission after not having listened to music for a while and um there were some songs on more life of course that i should have listened to that she recommended to me but also um a couple songs from blonde and i liked the ones that she recommended to me and i'm like i need to listen to this whole album and so i did and it was probably one of the better decisions i've ever made <laughs> listening to it because it turns out like i didn't know i related to frank ocean that much or at least that he could like paint that sort of picture for me and it, yeah i mean it spoke a lot to me after i had listened to the whole thing and i uh and even gone over those songs multiple times to actually listen to like deeper meanings and um, and get some of the vibes that it that it portrayed to me. Yeah, I get that. I, th- I think for me, a long time, I just kind of procrastinated listening to the albums because I was like, you know, it's got a lot of hype. I'm worried it's not going to live up to it, like that kind of thing. Because Channel Orange and Blonde, when you talk to people that are music fans, I mean, it's like people put them on such a pedestal. And I was so worried that I was going to listen to it and be disappointed. And so I put it off for a long time. And I actually, my first time listening to those albums was last summer. And I remember just listening and being like, like you said, just completely blown away. And like, it was one of the greatest decisions ever. Um, and now like, like everyone else, I'm kind of waiting for him to drop again. He's kind of teased a few songs here and there, but we'll see. We'll see if anything comes up. Uh, he's, he's a guy that's able to capture a feeling for sure. Uh, for, for you as an athlete, I mean, Frank Ocean, he's more of the mellow vibes, but for when you're preparing for game day, I think you probably need a different kind of energy. What's your, do you have any go-to songs for game day? Yeah. So I will listen to, uh, 
I'll listen to some Drake. Uh, I mean, obviously, I don't lean towards Frank Ocean, but sometimes I get a weird mood where I'm like, yeah, like I need to like mellow out before this game. Maybe I need to calm my nerves. So, but um, but I mean, a lot of Drake, a lot of J. Cole, uh, 21 Savage, Hate It or Love It is one of my go-tos uh, from the game. Um, so I feel like it's more individual songs rather than artists that really stick out to me. But if I had to pick one song, um, actually it's two different songs that are like my, like I'm getting in like this, this mindset. It's Sacrifices by Drake. Okay. And then also Sacrifices from uh, Revenge of the Dreamers 3. That's that's a perfect segue right there because I know that's an album you wanted to get a chance to talk about. And it's actually... Funny, I don't know when I'm going to be able to get this podcast out. It'll probably be a few days late, but on the day that we're recording this, it's actually the one-year anniversary of Revenge of the Dreamers 3. Um, Yeah, so that was kind of cool for me. I went and revisited it this morning and listened to it again. And the song you just mentioned, Sacrifices, I mean, that's that's an amazing track. It's long, but like you said, I mean, it's it's a good one. Yeah, I think it's the great, like, capstone to that whole album, like, I was blown away because I listened to that song probably last, or I mean that album last fall. And um, I had never like knew of all the works that J. Cole had going on with Dreamville. But I mean, I went through that whole album and it's got like so many features on it. And you'd think something like that would just bust, but J. Cole could pull it off. Like if anybody could do it, it's J. Cole. And he's just built so many alliances with so many different people. Like, I don't really know anybody that hates him, quite honestly, or anybody that's ever really had beef with J. Cole. But, I mean, he's got, like, he's got Young Nudie. He's got uh, Ski Mask, the Slump God. And it's just, like, there's just so many features on there. T.I., I'm like, wow, how did he pull all this off and still, like, create, like, hit after hit? And I feel like they're still, like, under the radar even then. Yeah, I, I mean, and one song that's on that album, Middle Child, I know it was a single for J. Cole, but he ended up throwing it on Revenge of the Dreamers 3. Uh, I think that's like the most like defining song for him because I truly believe he is that middle child between two generations of rap. Um, when you listen to J. Cole, you're going to get people that are, you know, old heads when it comes to rap that grew up on people in the early 2000s. And then you got new guys that are going to like it too. And I think he's definitely that bridge gap. Um, I know he did like an interview with Lil Pump last year. And he's just able to reach so many different, um, so many different artists under so many different genres of hip hop, and I think that's pretty impressive. Um, and that album is like the perfect definition of it. I mean, that album introduced me to a lot of different artists. I really first started listening to guys like Earth Gang and Saba and Deontay Hitchcock and all those guys. I mean, I was introduced to them through J Cole, and I think that's why he's such a great thing for for rap music. Yeah, it's like it's that mentality, like. That Adam Sandler got too. He's like, if I'm going to eat, people can go eat. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's all he's putting his people on it, you know. And uh, even people who've already made it, he makes sure that the that they use their talent and their abilities to highlight some of these other people that haven't had the the platform that maybe the baby has had, like when this album came out, or uh, maybe Ty Dolla Sign. You know, like, but you listen to the whole album you're like wow that guy spits bars like they put one guy after another and i know some of them and i don't know some of them but like they didn't miss they were there was complete hits the whole time and they capture a whole lot of different feelings there's some songs on there that are like really introspective and make you really think deeply and then there's a couple that are just like you know just total jams like i think about uh i remember the first time i saw the video of lambo truck 
and where they're uh, they're talking about literally robbing J. Cole. And I, I think it went viral on Twitter, the video of J. Cole reacting to it. And he's just like got these wide eyes like, wait, you guys are rapping about literally robbing me right now. But he even he's impressed by it. I, I think it's that's what's so cool about it is it doesn't feel like he's the leader of Dreamville. It feels like he's a member of Dreamville, even though he's the guy that's like putting everyone on. I think that's always what made him really impressive is he's relatable. You've got like all these other rap groups, whether it's Odd Future or TDE or OVO, you've got all different rap groups. But I think Dreamville definitely stood out because that last album was was so iconic for sure. Yeah, that's something that I, I have a lot of appreciation for that is that he doesn't like, he knows who he is and he knows what power he has and what he can do and he uses that to help others, not to really glorify himself. Like as much as I love Drake, like Drake uses his platform to glorify himself. And while he's got... um his like the people that he's close to like his crew that came from him or from Toronto with him to build everything and produce the music that they do. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Drake, you don't know 40, you don't know any of the other dudes that are, that are behind the scenes, you know, but whereas you see J Cole and he's like, okay, these are all my guys and I'm going to put them on this album. And yeah, it's just a masterpiece to me. Like you said earlier, there's some where it's like, okay, there's, they're serious and they're really interesting introspective and makes you really think about life and like you know what you're doing there's also the ones like 1993 where they're just talking about like they're smoking in a circle like he's like bro stop stop rapping like we're just smoking right now and like i can totally imagine that conversation that they're actually having like i can see them all in a circle like passing a blunt around where they're not even they're not even worried about rapping and then one person starts rapping and they're like bro come on chill out but he's spitting bars but so you know, <laughs> It's just really, really intriguing to me that they got all these ideas and that they made them work. Yeah, you make a great point. I think that's part of what makes this album so appealing is when you listen to it from start to finish, it feels like you're there in the studio with them. Like they, they're able to capture this feeling that like you're a part of this almost friend group that Dreamville is, even though there's, I think like 40 plus artists that are in on this album at some point or another like you feel like you're there and like you said that on 1993 is a perfect example of that when the song just cuts out and they just <laughs> they start talking about hey no stop rapping i like that's you feel like you're just you're there with them and i think that's definitely the big appeal uh that j cole has in general is he's very relatable um we've talked about j cole and drake today those are two guys that have established themselves as idols in the hip-hop uh in the hip-hop scene do you have a do you have a rap goat? Is it one of those two guys or is it someone else? Oh man. <laughs> I guess I have my Mount Rushmore. Okay. And and even that gets complicated for me. But Drake is definitely up there and J. Cole is definitely up there. Um I think I have like six people that like really stick out to me. And it'd be Drake, J. Cole, um, Oh, and I'm starting to blank him. Travis Scott, I really appreciate him, but I don't know if I'm like, oh, he's one of my favorites. Um, and that's kind of the same deal with Kanye. But oh man, right when right when I need to spew him. <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. It's all good. Matter of fact, let me look a little bit more. I mean, I know for me, the guys that come that come to my head first. I mean, you can think about the older rappers, you've got Nas and you've got Tupac and you've got Biggie. And then you jump into this like late 2000s era where we've got the rise of J. Cole and Kanye West and Jay-Z. 
um, are guys that would be in that conversation. And then Kendrick Lamar, I think, kind of has to be up there as well. Um, That's and, definitely one of mine that I was just going to say is Kendrick Lamar. Well, that reminds me, I, the very first song on that Dreamville album, you've got Kendrick Lamar with that like secret feature. And I remember thinking that was such a cool way to start the album. When I first started listening to it last year, I remember I – I clicked on the first song and it, I was like, wait, is that Kendrick? Cause his name's not listed as a feature, but it's still, it's like the first time we've heard Kendrick and J Cole on the same track in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I just, that's oh, I said. I love, I love that. He's, that it's not about glorifying. It's about producing good music. And, um, and that's what J Cole does. I mean, since, uh, he came out with 2014 four Hills drive. That's when I really got on my J Cole kick was I'm like, he's like really like spewing relate relatable stuff here. And even for your eyes only, like I fed off of that even more. I'm like, I really relate to some of these, like these uh, socio-political issues that he's bringing up. And like, I'm like, wow, like I never looked at it at that way, but J Cole really brought that to light and not even like just brought it to the forefront, but he did it with music. He did it to a beat where like I felt even deeper inside of me because of the way he presented it. And he's someone that's able to do that as well as Kendrick Lamar is definitely someone that I was going to put up there. So we, let's say Drake, Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, and uh, Kanye West is kind of borderline once again, but my fourth one would have to be Chance the Rapper. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, Chance, yeah. I mean, once again, with like J. Cole and uh, Kendrick Lamar, he really talks about like these sociopolitical issues and like what like i think of uh uh i might need security mm-hmm. he's talking about microaggressions he's talking about things like that i'm like i'm learning stuff here that i didn't learn in school that i didn't learn nowhere nowhere else but like these rappers are teaching me things that i should have already known so i just really appreciate uh, that about them and then drake's mostly up there just because i'm like yeah i relate to this guy um i think of like um if, if you're reading this, it's too late uh, when he's talking about his mom um, and he's like, you and the six uh, raise me right, you know? And he's talking about, um, how's he say it? He says, I used to get teased for being black, but now I'm here and I'm not black enough because I'm not acting tough and making stories up by where I'm actually from. Um, I think of that bar and I'm like, wow, I really relate to that. So I, there's my, there's my spiel. There's my, my Mount Rushmore. Hey, well, that's great, man. I mean, I love Chance. I know a lot of people were disappointed with like his album that came out last year, um, but I think his string of albums before that are more than enough to make up for it uh, because those two, those three mixtapes in a row were all so good. Um, and like you said, he's he does a great job of bringing those socio political uh, issues to the table. And that I guess that's a that's a good next topic to get onto because now is a very different time. Um, there's a lot of a lot of debate and stuff like that. And, and how important do you think music is for, for teaching people about like things, like you said, like microaggressions and racial injustice and things like that. Uh, how important is it, do you think for musicians to be able to get their message out there? Oh, it's so important. I mean, so many people, like you think of all the kids that are out of school right now, like what are they doing? They're listening to music. So what music are we going to put out? Because that's what our, the youth of America are going to be listening to. Like, what do we want to be teaching them about? So, I mean, there's a big burden that lies on, on artists and on the, the lyrics and being careful in exactly how you word those lyrics. Because, 
I mean, people are going to hear them and not only adults, but children too. Like I'm thinking about when I was listening to take care when I was in middle school, like I was learning things without knowing that I was learning things. Yeah, I, I definitely get that. Um, I love the thing with Chance the Rapper is he made he made a big point on, on Coloring Book. He was very open about his faith, too. And I mean, I know you're a guy you went on a you went on an LDS mission. Um, so I, I know you're pretty comfortable with your faith. Is that something that plays into your love for Chance the Rapper? Oh, 100 percent. And if I'm being quite honest with you, that's what I learned about Chance the Rapper was all my mission. Wow. There were some other missionaries that like, I mean, we weren't supposed to have the music. But, uh, but we did. And it was like, I didn't feel bad for listening to it because it was praising God. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to listen to this music. Like, I mean, people are going to worship how they want to worship. And like, I can't just listen to hymns for two years. Like, that's not how I run. That's not how my body runs. That's not how my mind functions. So um, uh, an elder from Chicago, um, he was a big fan of Chance the Rapper because that's where Chance the Rapper is from in Chicago. Um, he put me on Chance the Rapper. And we started listening uh, to some music from Coloring Book and some of those songs that were like pretty much straight praises. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. Like, and so I learned, I, I listened to the whole album when I got back home. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely get the appeal. I mean, it's so uplifting to hear the, you know, Chance the Rapper's message. Like I, I wasn't raised very religious, but I'll tell you, I mean, listening to that album made me want to go to church. Like it's just... It's so his whole tone uh, from start to finish on that album, it just makes you feel just so positive. It can turn any day, I feel like, into into a good one. Um, and that's what reminds me, you know, his feature on Ultralight Beam by Kanye West. I don't know if you've heard that song, but that's that's probably one of my favorite rap verses ever is is Chance the Rapper's feature on that song. Um, just because of the way that song builds and the way you can just tell he's passionate and it feels like that was kind of his his breakthrough moment, Kanye kind of showing him to the world. And, I, and, I, and that's what I love about that for sure. Um, but like you said, it's important to get messages out like that. You're, you're talking to, you're talking to young kids who are listening to music. It's summer. Um, even kids that would be going to school right now probably aren't because of the coronavirus. Um, and so people have extra time to listen to music. There's a lot of very important messages out there. Um, for you, as as an athlete, you're you're a guy that you go out and you play in front of thousands of fans last year, um, and I'm I'm sure, even if it doesn't happen this year, you're going to be hoping to to get back out there in front of people soon. Is is there is there any sort of message that you're particularly passionate about that you that you wish that you could make known as a as an athlete? Um, I mean, of course, it's been highlighted um, so much as of recent about Black Lives Matter. You know, that was something that growing up in Wapa Valley, like I didn't hear a lot about, like. It's just, it wasn't important to, to that Valley. Um, and especially at the time, I mean, Colin Kaepernick got a lot of hate for, um, for what he did. And I was like, okay, like, I understand where he's coming from. Like I was, I was influenced such that, that it was like, I don't like quite understand, but that's because I was uneducated. There wasn't the people around me to educate me. So like definitely the black lives matter message is something that's important to me. Um, and then having family in the LGBTQ community, it's like, I, I like, look, I'm LDS and we have our, our values and our standards and our beliefs. And um, that doesn't mean that we can't be accepting of everybody. That doesn't mean that we can't be generous and that we can't uh, be loving 
that doesn't mean we need to withhold human rights from people because they're different from us. Like it's though that's kind of what I'm passionate about is that people understand uh, the systemic racism, which has been said time and time again in the past couple months. And um, in light of the George Floyd murder as well as Breonna Taylor um, is that there has been a great injustice in this country that had, I mean, this country has been built on slavery and genocide as, as tough as it is for us to admit it. I mean, yeah, that's what, uh, I mean, that's what it boils down to, you know, and we haven't always been in inclusive of all people. And that's something that we could do a lot better job of. And I think it's important now that, uh, we just keep going full steam ahead and keep tackling things like, if we get complacent, then we're just going to allow those things to creep back into our society and allow that, that hate and that, um, that contention and misunderstanding and, and ignorance in people thrive. And, and that's something that I don't want to happen. I don't want to go back to where we were because we made so much progress and we still have so much potential to make even more progress and, and really prove to the rest of the world that this is the greatest nation. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with all of that, man. I mean, I've got, I've got the, the words love everybody tattooed on my wrist. Um, I got that right after I left high school. And I think a lot of what you said, no matter what background you come from, those are values that a lot of people, uh, unfortunately, are, are, are striving to carry but aren't there yet. Um, wh whether it be the Black Lives Matter movement or supporting you know, LGBTQ rights, um, like, I, I think those are, those are important messages that are growing. And, and I think it's awesome to see athletes and musicians bring that to light because like you said, growing up in a small town, it's not something you hear about in school or from your peers. Sometimes you got to get that message from someone that you see on TV or you're listening to on the radio. And so I think that's, that's definitely a, a really good thing um, to have going on. Um, and that kind of takes us to the next point, which is you came from a small town and you went to a D one program and that's, that's a tough thing to do. How was how that, how was that learning curve for you? Um, I mean, <clears throat> I always knew I was a pretty athletic person, you know, like that was so, always something I loved to do was run around, play football, race people, um, play basketball. So I knew I was athletic, but I went to such a small school and the competition always wasn't the greatest. So I really doubted myself a lot in my ability. And uh, I mean, I, before my senior year, I went to a lot of football camps trying to just get myself out there, get my name out there and show people that what I was capable of. And I did, I did well, but um, I still didn't have really any offers. I got um, Nevada right before that. And I had Weber state and that was really it. And then I got army later that summer, but no uh, power five. And so when I got, it wasn't real, that was really like positive that I could compete until I got to college and we started doing some testing like um like agility and explosiveness and speed that I was like yeah I can hang with these guys like I'm an athletic person and I belong at the D1 level so um it was it was been quite the learning curve I mean I had a lot of doubts and a lot of uh frustrations but I mean I'm I'm here now and not to say that I've made it but because there's still a lot more work to do but I know that I belong here Definitely. And like, like you said, there's always, there's always more work to do. And I'm sure for you, the next goal, it's rising up the depth chart and making, making yourself a, hopefully a household name someday. I'm sure. I'm sure that's every, every football player's dream. Um, if, if you could give any advice to, to yourself from, you know, when you were 
graduating from high school and you're about to, I know you went on the mission first, but then you ended up coming back and playing football. If you could give advice to yourself at that age, 18 year old RJ Huber, what would you tell him? Uh, it's all going to work out. I mean, just have the faith that it's going to work out. Um, have faith in yourself, have faith in God and, and work your hardest. Cause I mean, my philosophy is God helps those who help themselves. So if you put yourself in a position to receive guidance, to receive help, um, then you're going to get that. But if you make poor decisions and you close yourself off um, from those blessings, then they're not going to come and that's on you. That's awesome, man. I, I appreciate you coming on and, and talking with me about a little bit of sports, a little bit about yourself and a little bit about music. Uh, before we go here on What's the Score, do you, have any, do you have any song recommendations for people listening that we haven't talked about yet? song recommendations uh i just listened to baby keem's album i really like that I, apparently he's from vegas i didn't know that but uh but yeah i would just say his his new album I, I think it actually might have come out last year so it's not that new but it's new to me so that's uh that's the best that i could think of off the top of my head that's kind of what's been playing on my uh in my headphones recently all right. Well, that sounds good. I haven't heard it yet, but I will give it a listen because I I love representing the the 702 Las Vegas. If he's from Vegas, I'm you got me there. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, make sure to tune in to watch the score next time we're around. It's going to be a fun time being able to have guests on the show, and I'm I'm happy that I got the chance to have RJ Hubert here, someone from my old high school, and someone with a lot of cool things to say here on the first episode. RJ, thank you. Appreciate you, man. It was a pleasure. 